The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. I'm the lead film and draft analyst for Arrowhead Pride. This is the AP Laboratory, where myself... Matt Lane, Craig Stout, all get together to talk about last week's game. Uh, normally look ahead to next week's opponent, but there isn't an opponent next week. Next week, so we're all on right now. Uh, say hi, fellas. Hi, fellas. This, what's up, guys? <laughs> this just means loads and loads of college football and draft talk this week, boys. No, oh, no, no, no. We got right, an important fine. game that happened this weekend. We can talk about that instead, man. Yeah, rivalry weekend's coming up. I do know Notre Dame crushed Syracuse. We all saw. It's okay. Matt, Ugly people, uniforms. People are turning this thing off as we speak. <laughs> Made it approximately 45 seconds. They downloaded it. They started it. We're good. Speaking of 45 seconds, you can find my video content on Arrow. If this is what happens on the intro, I think we need to go back to letting Kent go solo. My Lord. (laughs) Yeah. This is either the worst or the best intro we've ever done. Uh, So this week, we're we're not going to do our typical, you know, advanced scout conversation. We're not going to do like the same kind of breakouts and breakdowns as we normally do we're just we're gonna answer all your questions and that's most of them are about the rams game we're gonna let that drive the entire show uh it might be a little bit shorter knowing matt is on we probably won't be shorter still but um i will not accept the slander laying down (laughs) well yeah you're gonna have to uh, we're gonna we're just gonna answer questions and we're gonna do it that way uh real quick I just want to ask both of you quick thoughts on the game. Start with Maddie. It was a great game. My heart was broke and then taped back together about 48 times during the game. Uh, I have some questions about the Chiefs' ability to close out games against good opponents right now. I know some people kind of think the Chiefs were the better team minus all the mistakes, but we've now seen a couple good games against good opponents where the Chiefs have made a lot of mistakes. So I'm not sure we can just say they're going to play mistake-free football going forward in those games. But at the same time, you can't help but be hyped up watching the way the offense was able to respond after a few bad plays and even see the defense start to bring it together. So two thumbs up still. Just I'm a little more cautious about the ability of the team to close out tight games deep in the playoffs. Yeah, you know, I, I, as a defensive guy here and having to cover a defense, when you look at the scoreboard and there's 54 points on it, it's it's a little rough in spots. But there were good things. The pass rush is legit. This is a second week in a row, and this is against a really good offensive line. And the Chiefs were able to pressure Jared Goff, who doesn't take very many sacks, repeatedly all game long, turned the ball over, scored a defensive touchdown, got a few stops they did enough with the way the offense can play to where they can win I know that Matt is a little wary of how they're gonna you know work things out at the end but I think we can all agree here that they're one of the best three or four teams in the NFL right now it's no question about it I think if we see the Rams or the Saints again there's you know a shot at beating them and Patriots too I, saw, I just saw a young team that made young mistakes, and I think a lot of those things that happened were fixable. I think a few things go differently in that game, um, and a few different things are executed differently. I think that game, 
might have been a seven-point win for the Chiefs. Um, so we'll see if they're able so to. Sammy Watkins playing. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> we're, we're gonna we're gonna keep we're gonna keep standing for our guy Sam. Um, but I mean, there was Tyree Kill. You know that decision on the punt return. Uh, I think Pat had a rough stretch to end that game. I'm writing a little bit about that. I'm only writing one piece this week. It's going to be a big Mahomes piece, but um, you know, plenty of positive indicators, and we'll talk more about some of those positive indicators here in the show. Uh, we'll start with just all these Twitter questions. There's, there's a lot Good of question. them in here. Can we re-nickname Travis Kelsey to Hot Hands? Shout out to anybody that's seen Little Giants back in the day. <laughs> back in the day. My goodness. You know, when well, I, I know was you in my were 33 30s. when that came out. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> yeah, There's a movie uh... called Little Giants, and the receiver was nicknamed Hot Hands because he couldn't catch anything until they started throwing toilet paper rolls to him, and he had to envision the ball as a toilet paper roll. Travis Kelsey's drops. Travis Kelsey's my guy, but the man has a lot of big drops, despite still putting up ridiculous stats on the air. Well, he, uh, yeah, he and that guy had to put like some stick on and got stuck to his uh, stuck to his chest, and that's basically about what it looks like when Demetrius Harris tries to catch a football. So, Andy chest. is definitely running the annexation of Puerto Rico at some point this year. <laughs> yes, dude, are we sure that 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 guy with the computer in that movie isn't just Sean McVay? No, like in not. real life? No, I mean, I'm not sure. sure, no. I I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, first question, at Volmer Josh asks, is it me or is it just me or have we been overhyped to start games? Josh, yes, they have. Um, so the first, the first game against the Patriots, uh, specifically, let's talk about the big games. The first game against the Patriots, Mahomes was juiced, right? And you could tell he settled in nicely after that. Uh, this week it was everybody around Mahomes that was juiced and all these stupid penalties. There were some of them obviously did not seem, uh, they were a little ticky tacky with the refs, but I think you saw that, you know, a lot of the players on this team were juiced for this game and they were the ones struggling to handle it. Mahomes handled it fine. It was kind of the inverse of the last time they played a big game. Yeah, I don't think the team as a whole is necessarily a little overhyped, but Mahomes definitely has been before this game. I agree with Kent. This game, he came out pretty calm and cool. He didn't really look like he was in any kind of, I don't know, emotional distress during the game, like being overhyped or the moment was too big until the very end, which I'm sure we'll get to at some point. But at the start of the game, he looked good, which is nice to see him coming out in a primetime game looking more under control than he has in the past yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I, I think that it'll be really curious to see what happens once we get to the really big games, the knockout rounds, you know, to see how juiced Pat is for some of those. But it's mostly the youth that seems to be a little rattled by that. Derek Noddy right now has Breland Speaks disease. He's just jumping off sides oh. at every hard count. It's it's really frustrating. But he, you know, they they just need to clean some of that up. It it it'll come with maturity and seeing more big games. Uh, at KS Chaser One asked, does Bob Sutton like grabby D backs? Uh, we got a little a lot of ticky tacky D holding defensive holding DPI calls. Um, I know some some of this is just the new NFL, but it seems like it's happening a ton. You know, I think that the guys that they have right now are definitely of the opinion that they'd rather take a DPI or a holding call than allow a big reception. I think that that's either taught to them or that's just the way that they play. Orlando Skandrick is getting older. He's really shown his age. I said it about four weeks ago that he was starting to downturn. This week was bad. It was really, really bad, and he was especially grabby. Steven Nelson's always been a very physical, grabby-type receiver or cornerback, but this seems like it is something to where they're really coaching them that maybe they're not going to have the safety help over the top. Grab the guy, bring him down, take the penalty, and live to fight another day. And I think that's kind of something that happens when you don't have the most athletic corners. But, I mean, I agree. Our corners, especially this particular group, is very, I'm going to say they're feisty. They're physical, but I'm going to kind of use the word feisty because that just seems to say, I don't know, grabby and handsy to me. But they are. They almost, they almost sit there and dare the refs to throw 
38 penalty flags. And I felt like this all-star group of refs came out and started to say, hey, we're going to control this game, so we're going to keep flagging you guys until you chill out. Only thing is, I don't think the Chiefs cornerbacks did. I think the refs just eventually learned they can't throw a penalty flag every two to three plays, and it's essentially what the Seahawks did when they were setting up the Legion of Boom. Get physical, hold DPI every single play. Eventually, it's going to come back around to where the refs just know they can't keep throwing the flag unless it's blatant. So I think you're still going to keep seeing the same thing. So a little bit unathletic corners, a little bit feisty physical guys, and just simply the mindset seems to be to dare the refs to throw a bunch of flags. I have nothing else to add on that. That was very good summation. At Jacob Dubin asks, thoughts on the pace of play for that game seem very quick. Sometimes the Rams didn't even seem set. So I'll have to go back and watch for sure, but I do believe that the Chiefs were kind of using the expectation of pre-stat movement to catch the Rams off guard a little bit. I think there was a few times where the Chiefs got up and got set, and instead of sending any form of motion around, which they do, it seems like more as much as any other team, they just decided to go with it. And even more than that, after just about any chunk play, so anything over 10 yards, the Chiefs did huddle up, but they got in and out of that huddle real quick and up to the line, and they were still getting lined up with 20, 25 seconds left on the play clock trying to get the next play out. Yeah, and conversely, the Rams were just getting to the line and snapping the ball right as everybody was set. There were a couple occasions where the Chiefs' DBs weren't even rotated around. Steven Nelson was still on the backside of one of the plays that I'm going to highlight in my post that uh, he he hadn't even reacted to the fact that they'd moved all three wide receivers over in a trips formation. He was still backside of the play when they snapped the ball. So both teams were getting to the line quick, trying to get the opposition to not be set yet, not really be able to figure out what they were going to do yet. Just another way to try and gain an advantage. The broadcast was struggling a little bit, even to keep up with all the tempo that the Rams were playing with. Uh, Rob Havenstein was so set that he was in his pass set before the ball was even snapped. So, uh, Did he hey, know the line of scrimmage? He just huh? pretty much stayed back. I don't even think he got at the line of scrimmage. He just stayed back by golf. <laughs> yeah, he started he started out there he's that he was that shook um at an average gatsby uh oh not a football question but kind of a football question uh yeah i need no, to know not. when when craig plans on watching friday night lights Hag, hashtag team riggins craig explain yourself i i haven't watched friday night lights I, that's I that's know. the show, folks. That's I don't, the show. I don't know what what else there is to explain. I'll tell you what. I'll watch Why Friday Night Lights before I watch Game of Thrones. Wow. Why? Why not? Mm. They're, Mistake. They're both. They're both good shows. Eh. Mm. Eh. Mistake. I I don't know, guys. I don't know. I'll, I'll get there eventually. What? I do. I do actually want to watch Friday Night Lights. Game of Thrones, <laughs> eh, not so much. Friday Night Lights is just such a well done show. Like I I. I don't want to like. I don't want this to. I don't want to take over this show, but with this, but like, it's it's a phenomenal show with great actors, great storyline, except for one of the dumbest storylines in the history of the world. And everybody who has watched the show knows exactly what I'm talking about. But it's worth your time if you have not watched it. Eh, I remember watching it, and while I didn't dislike watching it, I have absolutely no super fond memories of it. It's a rather forgettable show for me. Wow. Uh, yeah. Okay, the Nerd Squad's disbanding. I We're watched done. the whole We're thing. I don't even know who the opposite team is. There's Team Riggins. Who's the other team? Like, who else are you rooting for? The, I mean, the coach? Like, what? I don't Who's... really know if, like, that was, like, trying to, like, pit people up against each other. I just think he really likes Tim Riggins, which well, yeah, is, Riggins is cool, understandable. He just keeps making the same mistake over and over again for, like, 18 seasons. So I don't know how often you want to keep watching that. <laughs> I will I say. I will say. Based on previous conversations about TV shows, the fact that Matt isn't really interested in it probably means that I'm going to love it. Oh, that's a hey, good if point. If you like soap operas that center around somewhat football, you're in. Well, yeah, but you just got done like roasting it. Also, Maddie, without like, do you know the dumb storyline I'm talking about? Um, if once you say it, yes. But honestly, like I said, I watched the entire thing, and to me, it was a very forgettable show. Landry. Doing doing something really that just completely yeah. like like they sh I think they basically tried to pretend like it never happened afterwards. Yeah, they realized it was a mistake and it, it was the dumbest storyline in the history of the world. It okay. like made it awkward. Yeah. 
Look at this. Look at that cliffhanger. Go watch Friday Night Lights, people. Uh, well, at, don't, but... At N. Bendian asks, I know uh, the score says otherwise, but I think Bob Sutton did a great job taking Gurley out of this game. Uh, he looked frustrated. Uh, with uh, a couple less penalties, wasn't that a pretty good performance from the defense? I mean, offense gave up, what, 21 points? So... I, we were talking about this a little bit earlier. We kind of think Gurley may have got injured, and I think we kind of isolated a play on the Rams' first drive with like 13 and a half minutes left in the game. O'Daniel kind of chased him down on a little swing pass out of the backfield and rolled up on him a little bit. And while Gurley wasn't seriously injured, he didn't seem to have the same explosion as he has previously this year. So just maybe something to look for going forward. He might have had his ankle rolled up on or something a little bit, and that could be part of it. However, after those first two drives, I do think the Chiefs defense settled in. You saw them really get a get after Jared Goff, and the Chiefs pass rush looked phenomenal, and it made the secondary look so much better. I think Hitchens played a lot better. I like O'Daniel being out there more, even though I think Raglan was starting to play a little bit better too. And really, the only thing that I am very displeased with right now is the safety play. But we got the good news today that Barry's going to be kind of working back in coming off the bye. So I can't complain too much on what we saw from the defense. I thought the good news was going to be that Jordan Lucas was going to be playing. but They I hate guess, him, no. so it doesn't. No. Yeah. No. Sorry. Go ahead, Craig. <laughs> now, My bad. Now, I'm, now I'm sad. I, I was fine choo, with that. Choo. And you brought up Jordan Lucas, and now I'm sad again, Kent. Now, the, the defense was, was, like Matt said, the pass rush was phenomenal. It, it, that pass rush can win them games, late games, in January, February. That, that type of pass rush up front makes up for a lot of things. They get stops with that. They get turnovers with that. They force quarterbacks off their spot. That's how you win games opposite a high-octane offense because you're going to be on the field a lot. you got to pin your ears back. Know that if you're going to give up big plays, you're going to be able to make turnovers and force bad situations for the opposition. That being said, the safeties are abysmal. Dan looks like a guy who needed another three months before he needed to be on the field. Right now, he just looks stiff. He looks slow. And for a guy that kind of had to rely on his agility and, you know, some athleticism, because he is a fairly athletic guy, he he's just not there all the way yet. Um, Dorian O'Daniel was, looked pretty was good. Was a fairly athletic guy. Was a fairly athletic guy. I don't know if he's guy. ever going to be the same. Yeah. <laughs> Dorian O'Daniel looked good. Anthony Hitchens got to play a strong side inside linebacker because of O'Daniel being there as the weak side linebacker. As Matt has stated repeatedly, and you know we've <laughs> talked about several times, that's where Anthony Hitchens is best. He got to play downhill, so he looked a lot better this week. And then, yeah, Skandrick wasn't good, but Kendall Fuller was surprisingly really good this week again. Uh, at Mr. C. David asks, It seems we tend to fall short when playing good teams. What needs to change personnel schematically in order to win close games against good teams? Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot, here's my thing. I think there's a lot of mental errors that could have swung this game. So I think if you just eliminated some of the penalty issues, uh, a couple of the decisions that they made, like Tyreek with the, the punt return, um, clean up a few things like that, that they should be able to fix relatively easy. That game changes significantly. So there's a lot of different things like a few of those things change, and I think we have a different outcome. So they're close. This was a learning experience for these young guys. Let's see how they respond. Craig? Oh, sorry. It's me You're next. Getting... Hey, guys. Hi, I'm Craig. Uh... <laughs> We're new at this. Don't worry. Yeah, or Craig just I'm fell asleep old, in his I'm old a age. slow, guys. I apologize for that. Yeah, no, it, it's just execution, and it kind of shifts uh for these couple games here like uh we we did talk a little bit about this before we started recording that uh that new england you know it was the defense that let them down and the offense kind of had rolled down the field whereas against you know the the rams the defense was able to hold not necessarily the dan Sorensen touchdown that he gave up there at the end but they did give the ball back to the offense. They gave them another opportunity to go and win the thing, and the offense couldn't do it. So I do think there's just 
an execution thing. They just got to put it all together. They're a young, they're a young squad. They just got to put it all together. I agree with both Craig and Kent that it's more execution than something to do with scheme or the personnel. However, I don't quite have the faith they do right now that it's something that's just going to be put together. I think it's a growing process that still kind of has to gel. Like you saw it with the Rams. Once uh, we had the ball, Mahomes had the ball, he threw the pick. What happened? They had a second-year linebacker that was pretty much taken as an athletic freak, make a great play, beat Kelsey, hit Mahomes, he threw the ball, interception. When they were driving down the field for the touchdown, same thing. It was a second-year rookie tight end Gerald Everett getting deep on the little nine route past Daniel Sorensen. For the Chiefs, when they're making these plays at the end, it's pretty much just Tyreek Hill. It's just Justin Houston or D Ford. It's just the star players. Like you don't have these kind of role players coming up in these big spots in these close games. And that's part of closing out games. Like it can't always be a star player that's going to close out the game. Sometimes role players got to step up. A coach has to step up and do something different. And I just, I'm not sure I have the faith right now. Not that this can't change by playoff time, but right now the Chiefs are 0-2 closing out games against good teams. And closing out a game means you probably have to get a score and a stop, and maybe even another score or two stops. Just It's multiple possessions, and the Chiefs right now just haven't been able to string those together in a close game versus good teams at the end. So it's more execution, but I mean, you got to have more guys step up than just Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey in these situations, or the stars on defense in these situations. Like, you needed Skandrick to come down with that interception, and everybody feels entirely different. He's a role player that stepped up in a big spot, and I just don't think the Chiefs are at that point right now. Fair enough. At Nicholas Barnes asks Was the offensive line bad, or was the Rams' pass rush just good? So I don't think the Rams' pass rush was that good. Aaron Donald was obviously amazing, and Bukum threw Eric Fisher once and beat Travis Kelsey once, which he had as the game of his life, and maybe he's an athletic guy that's starting to put it all together. But outside that, like, Sue wasn't dominating. Dante Fowler was relatively quiet. It was just pretty much Aaron Donald was taking Cam Irving to task on this outside move because he's a defensive tackle that can somehow bend a corner on the interior of an offensive line. Like, as an offensive guard, you're going to give up that outside normally, knowing that you're just going to push a relatively stiffer big guy outside. Aaron Donald's not that. He dips, he drops his hips, and he flips that corner. So he got Irving a few times there. But for the most part, Chiefs tackles played great. Interior offensive line was up and down. But outside Donald, I thought they were pretty good across the board. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add other than Aaron Donald should already be in the Hall of Fame. That kid is ridiculous. Like, he's he is so good. I fully condone, this is going to make some Chiefs fans angry, I fully condone him for the MVP this year over Pat. Stop. Stop it. Just stop it. <laughs> Makes a lot more sense than Todd Gurley. It's true. Probably. It's true. There's, there's, some, there's some cut-ups rolling around on Twitter right now of like basically someone basically like talk about here's your your 2018 MVP Todd Gurley making a big play or something like it and it's just basically like big gaps like running through big gaps catching swings out in space like it's it's kind of art it's really funny um yeah no I, Aaron Donald was amazing I think everybody else, I mean I think the line held up okay I, and I don't think you can expect Cam Irving to hold up great against Aaron Donald and Donald was pretty much the difference in that game. Um, at KJH three, one, seven, two, uh, Dorian O'Daniel on Gurley seemed pretty, uh, pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Dorian O'Daniel actually got out wide on him a couple times and looked pretty good. Uh, he, he struggled a, on a couple of plays of reacting late to his coverage. I, I'm also highlighting one of those in my post. Um, he, he identifies the fact that uh, Gurley swung out into the flats way late, and he closes on him. Now it's a play that Dorian O'Daniel is the only one of the inside linebackers that's going to be able to catch up to him and be able to make that play. But it is a 13-yard gain that he probably should have identified earlier and got out on him. The other part of this is the Chiefs 
blitzed like crazy. And they had Anthony Hitchin play downhill and just kind of forget the pass for most of the day. And so the Rams didn't run as much because of that and because of the Gurley injury. Now, when the Chiefs were blitzing, the Rams almost every single time would leave the running back in to protect. And so Bob Ratchet ratcheted up the blitzes this week. They didn't necessarily get home, but they kept Gurley in rather than giving him space out in the flats against terrible out inside linebackers. So from a schematic point of view, that was fantastic. And so a lot of times, even when Dorian O'Daniel wasn't on the field, they were still able to keep Gurley in check that way. Yeah, and I think O'Daniel's still learning to play from a more traditional linebacker spot. I mean, we've said it almost every week. That's not what he played in college. He played pretty much a slot corner just as a linebacker. So he's still learning how to read and process everything from there because he does have a lot more responsibilities. But as he gets more snaps out there in more ways, you're starting to see the things that made some people, myself included, because I thought O'Daniel was going to have a chance to be very good even as a rookie, you're just starting to see some of the things that showed all the promise. Like Craig said, he was late getting out on the swing pass one of the times. The play where we think Gurley might have got injured, it was still a seven-yard gain. But you have O'Daniel coming from the opposite side of the field, chasing him down. And there's if it's any other linebacker, probably any other current safety that was out there on the field, this is probably a touchdown for the Rams. But O'Daniel's able to adjust his angle on the fly and still get a nice solid tackle on Gurley for only seven yards. It's just... The athleticism showing up, he still plays downhill. I hope they keep giving him more snaps, even if that means Ragland. Who again, I'm going to say again, I think he was playing better leading up to this game, but Hitchens should play strong side linebacker. That's what he's best at. I don't care how much you paid him. It's already been done. It's happened. Play him at strong side linebacker. Let's get O'Daniel out there more. He's not going to learn from just doing practice reps anymore. I agree, and it's... It's kind of a weird uh, weird ordeal because they traded for Reggie Ragland, but his snap counts might want to stay kind of down a little bit here. Um, that at- being said, that being said, Reggie still has a place against 21 and 12 personnel. Right. Like when teams right. go heavy, Reggie should be on the field. That's why he Absolutely. wasn't on the field this week because sure. they were spreading it out, and Reggie is terrible in that situation. Or right, when Breeland speaks, the nose tackle three needs a breather. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean – but again, like 11 personnel is taking over the world. So even not just with the Rams, the Rams do it like all the time. But like, I think 11, um, most teams are in 11 personnel anyway. We got two games against John Gruden and his 1990s Nebraska offense. Here coming comes up. Reggie mm. Ragland, baby. <laughs> yes. Reggie season. Uh, and at sausage Peter, season. At, at Peter White Golf asks, do you expect more ketchup consumption out of your family this year at Thanksgiving? Uh, I don't know if we even talked about ketchup on the pod last week, so congrats, guys. Um, my kid's probably going to wind up eating ketchup, not because of Patrick Mahomes, but because he's a kid. I already had my family Thanksgiving thing. Unfortunately, my in-laws aren't as much into football as I am, so I don't even know if they have heard about the ketchup phenomenon but I can say there was absolutely no ketchup had on Thanksgiving by anybody here. Yeah, and once again, I agree with Matt on a food take. Ketchup is disgusting. It is <laughs> gross. It is just sugar tomato paste. This is why Aaron Donald's MVP, you guys. Oh, <laughs> But it's you know, better than I, ranch. Ketchup is still better than ranch. Oh, uh, uh, Matt... We got problems, buddy. We know this, kid. Ketchup is Some good of us fr- like sweet potato fries, it- and we like barbecue at barbecue restaurants. Some of us don't. I, I, I don't even really want to correct. I don't even really want to correct you anymore because I'm fine with just letting this whole thing ride out. I love barbecue. I eat barbecue at barbecue restaurants. Does it show? I also just incorporate a smoked chicken sandwich that is deep fried i mean you are you are just you guys are missing out you you probably put ketchup on your burn in (laughs) oh no ranch ranch get the ranch from old chicago order sicilian pepperoni rolls and prosper at heiserman dan asks did reed fix his clock management issues or has it just not come up yet this year I don't know if it's really come up yet. The 
issue right now is this offense can be so explosive. The few times that you've had a chance to see what his clock management is going to look like, they've scored quickly or they've picked up a bunch of yards quickly. So it's hard to say. I will say the last drive of the game after the first interception thrown to Marcus Peters, I was not a fan of the second and 10 and then the third and two play calls. I know I don't think Kent's going to get into it a little bit at some point in time, so I'm not going to step all over on his toes. But Mahomes may have not played it perfectly, but I really did not like just the play designs that Reed was going out there with. It looked like they were going to waste a lot of time no matter what with those plays. So maybe with that, he could get a little bit better. But outside that, we just haven't got to see him really manage the clock yet. That's exactly it. I I do think that there's a few less timeouts that are happening, you know, early on in the first, you know, and third quarters where the clock has run down. Pat's pretty good about getting the snap off. And that that is one of the things that Alex wasn't always the best at getting up on the line, getting the snap off. So I do think that they're conserving some of their tight or their timeouts a little more, but most of these games have been blowouts where we don't have to worry about Andy Reid's time management. Yeah, that last minute, that sequence that was it was just gross. I'm not a fan. I'm going to write a little bit about it. Um the other thing, I don't call th- don't call option into the boundary on third and goal from the one. <laughs> Kent, if we go down this rabbit hole, we're having a 3-hour podcast, so let's just skip that. Uh, okay. Yeah, I I'm still like And then they we don't go it for times. it on fourth down. We showed that option three That's times right. already, and then we still tried to run it when we needed it, and then didn't go for it. If you're running the ball on third and goal, right. you were going for it on fourth down. When you have the MVP as your quarterback, you were not running the ball unless you're giving him another chance. I That one, the Chiefs lost by three, and they left four points on the field. Mm. So at <laughs> – gosh – I, we shouldn't have gone there. At Corey, at Corey Peter asks, how differently do you guys think this game looks with a full steam Eric Berry playing? Well, I don't know that we're going to see full steam Eric Berry, but I, I said a little earlier today that even a 70% Eric Berry is an upgrade over every safety that Bob plays on this roster right now. He's going to organize the defense better. He's going to have guys lined up in the right spots. He's going to shift coverages to where they need to be based on what the offense sees there. And then even if you've got him matched up one-on-one with a tight end all game long, the tight ends for the Rams went for 112 yards and two touchdowns yesterday. So that's not good. Eric Berry takes away a lot of that on his own just by being that guy out there. Teams are going to avoid him even if he's not at 100%. But he just makes so much of a difference on the field, organizing that that's a completely different game, in my opinion. I think a full steam Eric Berry probably takes off at least one full score of the Rams. And I'm not so sure, like Craig said, that a 70% one doesn't. For the simple fact that I don't think the Rams are going to be able to pick up as many huge, just effortless chunk plays as they did. The amount of times in those first two drives that a player just sat down 15 yards down the field, wide open in the middle of the field, and just hung out was crazy. I think if you get Eric Berry back, even at 70%, he takes away some of those a little bit earlier. His angles to the ball and willingness to tackle are infinitely higher than Ron Parker's. He doesn't make some of the same mental errors that Eric Murray was showing. So, yeah, he's going to help a lot no matter what he comes back as this year, no matter what level he is. But a fully healthy Eric Berry for that game, I do think, makes a huge difference. I think like 60% of Eric Berry is our best safety. So, you know, that's uh, that's, just... that's throwing some shade at Lucas, but he's on the bench that's anyway. Why, so. That's why I said the best what? safety that Bob will play. Yeah. <laughs> well done. <laughs> uh, at at N. Bendian asks, was that the best ye- uh, best game of the year for Chris Conley? Um, yes, and Chris Conley's best ability in that game, I think, was pretty much just availability. Because, I mean, I don't think I saw anything that was really spectacular rewatching it. Um, really good that he uh, was able to finish that double catch on the uh, drag route for the touchdown. Because if he drops that, ugh. Yeah, um, best game of Conley's career, I think, is the correct phrase. And like Kent said, I don't even know what he did. And this is not to throw, be a hater of Chris Conley, although I 
am well aware that I'm not his biggest fan. I'm not sh- He's like a 1995 X receiver in the NFL, which just isn't a position that exists anymore. But regardless, best game of John the year. John Gruden easy. says differently. <laughs> well, they also traded for Jordy Nelson, who came into the league in about 1995. So, eh. However, You're this was definitely Conley's best game of the year. Oh, yeah, I'm the ageist one. Can't, can't, this is why we have long podcasts. You just keep egging me on, and then you're going to blame me for it. <laughs> um, Chris Conley, he did make the nice catch. I don't care if he double caught it. He caught it. Nice catch. He got open on another play. Man, watching him run into the end zone, I still kid you guys not, I am never sure if Chris Conley or Demetrius Harris has the football. Yes, insert Harris drop joke here. However, once they have the ball, I have to wait to see their numbers to say who it is because they look like the same player out there with their level of athleticism. So, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. He got open because of the Rams paying attention to Tyreek Hill, who was carving them up all game long. Yeah, I do think that it was Conley's best game of his career. But I still don't think that he's necessarily a big factor going forward. He's a good guy to have on the team. He's a good guy to play out a rookie contract. But when it's up, I don't think you need to be floating a bunch of money his way to keep him on the roster. I think you can replace him with another guy, cheaper guy, later in the draft maybe. Go get him six touchdowns though this year, and then you know maybe he'll uh, he'll count on that compensatory f- formula, oh, fellas. Not, no. At David Meta Seven asks, "What goes on your leftover turkey sandwich?" All right, you gotta Ketchup. have a ch- ciabatta bun, lightly toasted. You get your turkey on there. You get a block of cheese. You gotta get the thick sliced white cheddar cheese on there. You get some banana peppers, some lettuce. You don't need any other random sauces or anything like that. Maybe some raw onions on there. Whole thing's going cold, just in that lightly toasted bun. You're good to go. My goodness that sounds i can't top that that sounds incredible i'm i'm having that i was gonna put some some mashed potatoes on there a little stuffing Ooh. make the whole you know thanksgiving meal in a sandwich but no no scratch that it's it's a maddie sandwich frying the up answer, a stuffing bun is a good move too if you get that together mm, fry it up real quick make that the bun's a good idea i think the answer is just to eat turkey with the mashed potatoes and the stuffing on a plate heated up and then no. have have room for cheesecake so that's that's the play i'm not i just i'm just gonna roll with all that delicious food i'm just i literally just try to duplicate my thanksgiving plate as many times as i can over the course of that weekend so, <laughs> so you really don't eat leftover turkey sandwiches i eat i no, I don't. I don't put it on a sandwich. I literally, I try really? to recreate Thanksgiving dinner as many times as, as I possibly can, and I have a lot of. Dude, my mom is. Sides. You run out of sides before turkey. Everybody has leftover turkey. After my, the sides are gone. My mom makes twenty nine pounds of mashed potatoes. Then you have like forty eight pounds of turkey. Who doesn't have two we, or three different <laughs> styles dude, of turkey? I'm, I'm, we. I'm just telling you, the ratios are perfectly fine for like. <laughs> six seven plates and we have a sheet cheesecake that i eat half of Kent, the longer I, we do this the more and more confused by your food takes i get <laughs> it's okay it's okay uh at joseph hefe there were four, 14 defensive stops, seven forced punts, seven turnovers, three defensive touchdowns. There were 28 total drives, not counting kneel downs. That's a 50% defensive stop rate. Can we drop the narrative that this was an all-offense, no-defense game? Yeah, huh. we should. There, there, there was plenty of defense in this game. Just because the offenses also put up a ton of points doesn't mean that there was no defense. Defense was what mattered in this game. Aaron Donald stripping... Pat Mahomes twice. Pat Mahomes getting picked off three times. I mean, the Chiefs scoring a defensive touchdown. These, This is what kept the Chiefs in the game. This is what put the Rams ahead. Defenses were just as important as the offenses in this game. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a no-defense game. I do think what you saw were playmaking defenses. Like, these are guys where stars or a Bukum, who maybe is becoming a star, made huge plays. But it wasn't a game where, like, defenses were making good stands. The Chiefs did down the stretch make two of them. But for the most part, it was star players making big plays for both teams that were resulting in the stops, which is fine. That's what you want if you have these high-profile offenses. You don't need a defense that's going to force five three-and-outs in a game. You're fine with the turnovers or the tackles for loss. But 
yeah, definitely not all offensive. It was kind of just like a high variance game. So, and you know, when the offenses were offensing, it was ridiculous. And when the defenses were defensing, it was ridiculous. Like it was just like, there was just like I said, big plays all over the field. Um, you know, it, it, it was a fun game and it, it, I, I would I would like to watch it again. If that was the Super Bowl, I would lose my mind. Like I don't think I'd want to watch football if the Chiefs lost that game in the Super Bowl, though. Um, at the Chiefs fan twenty four asks if the season ended today, what player are you taking with the thirty second pick in the draft? I love the confidence here. Uh, I'm I'm not going to name a specific player. We're just going to oh. just name just name position. Uh, I would go with. Uh, let's say, let's say Brian Burns because people are worried about his weight. So he falls that low. Well, you stole my pick. So I'm going to have to go with tight end TJ Hawkinson. No, I'm kidding. I would love TJ Hawkinson on the chiefs. And I already see all you guys freaking out about more offense. Watch the guy play. I was better tight end. Just watch him. You'll understand if you like George Kittle, you're going to love Hawkinson, but no, I was going to say Brian Burns as well. I think he's the best edge player that has a chance to fall. However, after watching this game, I would not be lying to everybody if I said that I might be starting to come around that the Chiefs just absolutely need a corner early on. It was just a glaring weakness to start the game that the corners were not good enough. And if it wasn't for Cooks being slightly injured and then Cooper Cup being out, I don't know if we don't stop the Rams from scoring 70 points. So I'm coming around to a corner like Trayvon Mullen out of Clemson or Armani Arorie out of Penn State at this point. Yeah, and I'm also still on the edge train. I like Brian Burns. I like Montez Sweat. But if I got to take a corner, man, guys, I, I've been watching a little Christian Fulton. I, Ooh, I like him. Yeah. I like him at LSU. I don't know that he'll quite sneak into the first round there. He it's might a little be, high, I think. Yeah, it might be a little high for him, but he he's good. He can play ball. If he can run at his size, he can definitely get up there. Uh, at Red Cow asks, what was Mahomes looking at during his turnovers? Even the fumbles look like they would have ended up as interceptions based on what I saw. Was there something during the broadcast view that didn't show? I mean, I don't think you can say that the, the fumbles would have been interceptions. I think it was way too early to figure that out. But, um, you know, I think I think overall with the with the turnovers, he 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 has a share of blame some of it was like the the first one that that abukum got like it was it, he his brain like malfunctioned halfway through his delivery and like the ball just like it it was just it was a weird ordeal um the the one that got tipped that peters wound up tipping i don't think that that play was going to be successful anyway it might have got picked anyway so um mahomes definitely had some has some share of the blame there yeah, I mean, the interceptions, I think, were very much on him. One of them was a fluky play. I think, actually, the interception that was intended for, we think, Conley on the post that Peters got, I think Mahomes was just late in his progression to get to Conley. And by the time he started to unload it, the coverage had shrunk on it. And then as he got hit, it made the ball come out weird. But Conley was 100% open if Mahomes gets the ball out at the back of his drop as soon as Hill is covered. So that's on him for being late. The last interception, he had players open that could have picked up 15 yards and got out of bounds, and he still decided to heave it all the way down the field towards Tyreek Hill. So, I mean, that one's still iffy on if you really want to give him a huge blame because they needed big yards. But the other interceptions are still on him for what we saw. The fumbles, they're 50-50, him and Cam Irving. is Irving got beat by the best defensive player in the NFL, maybe the best player. Can't get too mad at him. However, he got beat in a very predictable way, which was along the outside, and he needs to overset that a little bit better. And Mahomes needs to step up into the pocket instead of always looking to scramble out of there. So you can kind of put some of the fumbles on him too. Yeah, and that that first interception was just a ridiculously fluky play. Now, Pat didn't put enough on it, and he admitted that he didn't put enough on it. But seriously, you're going to have it go off a hand, off a helmet, back into the dude's hand. I mean, that's... That's a really fluky play there. It, it just you you can't really explain that. I would say that I think the process to get to that situation was bad though. Still, but uh, I I do I, it was still fluky. Um, at Ben Markell asks Watkins out early a uh, a game changing factor. 
I don't know. I don't know if I don't know what the score of that game is if Sam plays just this week specifically, but his impact over other games has been noticeable. This one was just kind of a weird, crazy game and and you know, Conley finished a few plays. I don't think he makes a huge difference in this game, particularly just because the Rams defensive backs are terrible. They hid Marcus Peters on Demarcus Robinson or Chris Conley, so he didn't have to do anything all game. They couldn't cover Tyree Kill. They could barely cover Travis Kelsey. I mean, you put Sammy Watkins out there, a healthy, he definitely helps, but at, this, at the end of the day, like they were still playing a lot of zone. They were playing a lot of soft coverage and still getting torched through it. So I don't know. He's more important when you're going up against a team that's going to play man-to-man coverage and force receivers to beat their man. The Rams weren't really doing that. So his impact would be a lot smaller than it would be in some other games. Yeah, definitely a lot smaller than it would be against a team like the Broncos that we saw. But maybe some of those plays where Mahomes got pressured, uh, maybe even one of the Aaron Donald fumbles. You know, with, with Sammy Watkins, he seems to identify those those slants, those routes coming open a lot earlier, and he trusts Sammy, puts the ball in hot with Sammy. Maybe he gets one of those out a little earlier, and that makes a big difference this year. Uh, at a Pitts 14 asks, if you could compare Kent's hair to a Thanksgiving side dish, what would it be and why? Kent's hair is not a Thanksgiving side dish. It is the turkey. It is the main course. <laughs> it is not a side dish. I agree with Craig. It is not a side dish, but we're going to call it the wishbone because everybody's fighting over it. <laughs> y'all came with jokes today. Man, I y'all would be so disappointed if you saw my hair for real. Like no, this you thing wouldn't. is <laughs> <laughs> At Landon Hodge 7 asks, "What I, I he asked for the top 5 positions in need for the Chiefs. Let's just call it the top 3. Uh give me the top 3." I I'm going to go ahead because I think you guys will be looking forward to next year. I'm going to talk about right now because I do think that that's a little different. I think right now, safety is the number one position of need. Inside linebacker is the number two position of need. And then I think, 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 think that maybe interior offensive line is becoming a big position of need. We're not sure if Mitch Morris is coming back. We're not sure about LDT. Right now, it would be nice to have another good interior offensive lineman. Hey, Maddie, take this yeah. from a 2019 perspective. So happy Thanksgiving. Go for a draft angle here. Oh, we were already going to do that. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do it more, too. I'm going to try to consider what the Chiefs have invested in as well. So like not just the positions that are poor. Like I'm treating it as where they've already put investments, too. So the fact that they just paid Hitchens and traded for Ragland and drafted O'Daniel means linebackers not on the table for me. So for me, it's edge. I don't know if Ford's coming back. I'm not 100% sure they don't cut Houston. I don't think they believe in K-Pass. Breland speaks. He's still learning, so Edge is going to be up there. Interior defensive line, Bailey's a free agent and has been very good this year. Not sure Xavier Williams or Derek Noddy are going to be the running mate you need next to Chris Jones on passing downs. Finally, cornerback. I mean, have you seen these guys out there? Oh, all of them besides Fuller are free agents, by the way. So, yeah, there's your three. I think it's pretty simple. As much as I want to put safety up there, they have some young guys. They have guys under contract. They believe in Armani Watts. So you got to let them roll with that. I, I agree with all those. Uh, sneakily for 2019, I'm not going to be mad if they invest a top 100, maybe even a top 64 pick in a receiver because I'm just getting greedy. Like if they went and, got an, went and got another weapon or Hawkinson, like even like Hawkinson, I would get a little, I wouldn't mind getting a little greedy. greedy. Uh, at Three Gravy Cats asks, the best replacement for Buffalo Sweat since Tallgrass is shutting down. Rest in peace. I'm very sad about that one because I love Buffalo Sweat. Uh, so Craig, answer that one. And then just Craig, answer that one first. A milk please. stout nitro by Left Hand Brewing Company. That is the best everyday stout that you can get. It comes in six packs. You pour it hard. It's delicious. Make sure you get the nitro version, not the regular. Uh, the second part of that question is the best wide receiver the Chiefs will have a shot at in the draft. Uh, Maddie, I mean, in theory, if the Chiefs want to go first-round wide receiver, I don't think you can say there's a single receiver they won't have a shot at there. But I'm going to kind of look at it more from there's no way they're going with a first-round offensive player. 
say at the end of the second round, you're looking at maybe a DeMarcus Lodge out of Ole Miss, Emmanuel Hall out of Missouri. Those guys kind of fit the speed, dynamic playmaking ability that I think you see that Beach and Reed are looking for over some of the bigger, more physical receivers. That would be fun. And then the last part of that is what happened to Kelsey. Rough game. Uh, had some drop issues, and he's kind of started to have some. It's 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 a little concerning. I'm not gonna lie. Like you know, I think of the the big three players, he's got the highest drop rate. So um, something to keep an eye on. Hopefully he responds the next time they need him. Uh, last question, guys. At Nbendian asks, if the Chiefs play the Rams again, what would be your prediction? 45-38, just like I predicted last time. <laughs> I, I, think it's, uh, I think it's a little lower, obviously, than a 54-51 game. I think the game looks completely different next time. I think they run the ball a lot more on the Chiefs' defense than they did this time. And then, you know, adding some elements like Barry, like Watkins, you know, I think that changes things a lot more. I, I still think that it's a high-scoring game. I'm going to say 35-38 Chiefs. So I would pick the Chiefs to win the next time that they play. Um, and I think that some of the mistakes that they made were – like I think they were fixable. And I think that they will learn from the mistakes that they made this week. Um, I would say I'll go 41-34 Chiefs. Ooh, so, defensive yeah, showdown. Let's go. Mm. I'm out here. Um, yeah, uh, that's, that's it guys. Uh, hopefully we've helped you on your drive. If you have listened this long, uh, I would kind of like just tech, just shoot us something on Twitter and tell us if you were, you know, in a state listening to this, I would love to know if you're driving around and you you're in Ohio and and you're listening to this show. I would just kind of out of curiosity, just like to see that. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday season it's 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 upon us and uh we'll talk to you here next week eat thanksgiving yay hey everybody it's Neil patel editor-in-chief of the verge i host a podcast every week called the verge cast my friends paul miller and dieter bone we've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site which is about technology how it impacts culture and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts. Check it out.